Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. It's time for the Graham Capital Market Update, a daily look at Wall Street, brought to you by Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. How hard is your money working for you? Let's find out with your hosts, David Graham and Stosh Graham. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy, and you're listening to Graham Capital's Market Update. The show is brought to you on, on WHNZ 1250 AM and 105.9 FM. Every day you're gonna get a market update. We love what we do at Graham Capital Advisors. Come and see us. Come and see us if you feel that you need a good second opinion. Well, I got some more good news for you. If you're a fan of Dave Ramsey's, the show just ended. He has approved our company, and we are Smart Investor Pros. That program that he has, we're the only people on the radio that the Ramsey organization has approved on the radio. So come and see us. We're Smart Investor Pros. Go to our website, schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Let me just say this. At our company, we deal with three separate entities that are all one and the same to guarantee your retirement. It's legal, it's planning, and it's investing. You have to have all three. Well, one-stop retirement planning. You have legal to make sure you have your house in order. What's the sense of us getting you an extra six points, five, six points of interest if you're going to lose it all anyway? You have to have a plan. You have to have a roadmap to follow. Get off the road. You need to get back on the road. You need a GPS. Use us for that. And then last but not least, you invest for retirement. You know what that is? First rule of investing, don't lose money. Second rule of investing, don't forget the first rule. It's not rocket science. If you lose it, you got to remake it. At our company, we love what we do. Everyone has a professional certification come and see us. We have offices in Tampa and Sarasota and Venice. Come and see us. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And as always, before we get started, let's all offer a huge heartfelt thanks to our police, firefighters, emergency personnel, our teachers. What about all the men and women in the military services so far from home and protecting us? Where would we be without them? Thank God we have them. And online, we have Stash Graham, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com in Washington, D.C. He's the Chief Investment Officer for all of Graham Capital Advisors' clients. Now's the time to get that good second opinion. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Stash, how are you? Good afternoon, David. Stash, let me ask you. The stock market continues to inch slowly higher how are market participants, how are they feeling about this market? Look, as as the market, certainly what we saw a couple of weeks ago, and it, it, led, it bled into last week, you had some of the large tech, uh, uh, artificial intelligence-focused companies that really moved markets. And then since then, it's kind of the sideways, slightly higher type of momentum in markets. Look, sentiment throughout this whole period has been extremely bullish. Um, whether you believe the C, the CNN fear and greed indicator, which closed at 78, that's that's well into the extreme greed 
uh, camp. Uh, you have the the Citigroup uh, Panic Euphoria Index. That index is near euphoric levels. Uh, you have the the I or the AAII survey, which is more of a retail focused survey, but bulls rose by two point two percent to forty six point five, which is a three week high, and that's a very high level uh, overall. Uh, you have the Investors Intelligence Survey, which is over on the bull side. They have bull and bear. They're stretched to the bull side. Um, so look, <laughs> you have three different sentiment surveys and all are bullish. So look, I, I think you know from a contrarian point of view, if you're looking to say, okay, well, how are people stacked? People are stacked very bullish. Uh, and I think you have to keep that in mind if you're going to put new capital into this market. Well, you know, stocks and bonds, you know, they're slowly rising, uh, you know, it, and there's bets now that the Fed will be able to cut rates as early as June. So I, I guess you know you know for, for the markets you know now focusing on on what the Fed will transition towards with these easing of rates you know where where does this lead us as far as confidence do you expect this to keep going you know the S and P five hundred you know was set for its fourth straight month of gains so what, how do you read it look I mean you know. How are you reading it? Well, again, we just established people are very, very bullish. They have, I think, a irrational expectation from the Federal Reserve and that the Federal Reserve is going to be there to serve them and prop up markets higher. The, mar- the Federal Reserve doesn't really care that much about the stock market. It doesn't. Its, it's charge is, is the labor market employment and it's inflation. Um, and so if, if the market happens to get in the way of that, they showed two years ago, they don't have a problem stopping it. Again, we just... Uh, two years ago, we had the, the beginning of the beginning of the the steepest rate hike that we've seen in modern U.S. history. Um, so, look, they don't mind stepping in front of it. Uh, but what I think what's tough for the Fed is is obviously you have sticky inflation. You have inconsistent reports about the labor market. Some some months you have uh, a a shrinking of jobless initial jobless claims at the same time you're having growth and continuing jobless claims you have uh, uh non-farm payroll numbers that are just in a different stratosphere from whether it's adp or the household job survey they're just telling completely different pictures and the federal reserve is having to take this data and make monetary policy decisions with it at a time that they know that whatever monetary policy decision they make, the economy is not going to really feel it for another three to four quarters, uh, basically a year. Um, so it paints the federal, it puts the Federal Reserve in a difficult uh, position. And some people might say, "Well, look, the Fed put himself in this position after a decade and a half of ultra loose monetary policy that really wasn't necessary." So I think you're in a you're in a difficult spot. And again, as I said in the first question and answer, uh, you know, if you're putting new capital to work right now and you're trying to decide what to do with some cash that you have, it's a tough picture. And again, I think you have to take a very broad look at, hey, what's the better value for my dollar that I'm gonna put into this market? Uh, because I think it could be very easy to say, well, shoot. You know, look at the the tech stocks running hot again. I feel like I'm missing out. You know, and then you have that that fear of missing out dynamic FOMO, um, and and I think that's probably a lot of what's happened the last two to three months with markets. Right. Well, do you think that we need to kind of wait 
uh, wait until maybe next month's uh, consumer price index to see if if the, the inflationary jump we saw earlier this month is just a blip, or is this just the beginning of a new inflationary trend? You know, at, at, at least for today, it should be, you know, I guess all systems go and and people should be buyers. I guess they're going to be coming out of the woodwork again. So, I mean, do you see that happening? I mean, the market right now is more of a momentum trade than it traditionally is. Uh, so it's hard to argue against someone saying, hey, look, the market's running higher. I don't see any reason why the market's going to you know, turn lower, uh, at least not anything we could see right now. So I want to put my money to work and I'll take advantage of momentum. You know, I, I certainly can't fault that logic. It's worked quite a bit uh, the last year or so. Sure. Uh, again, the only way I would preface it is you got to be ready to hit the sell button if you're going to do that very quick. Uh, because we have seen in multiple periods, just in recent history, uh, the markets sell off pretty darn quickly. Uh, and so you just have to be willing to make that sell if you're going to try to pr- participate in the momentum type of trade, which is what you're doing if you're if you're investing right now. But sure. look, we just got another batch of uh, inflation data. So it's 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 the Federal Reserve itself really needs to be committed to making this pivot and starting rate cuts. And I think they're going to wait for more than enough uh, economic data to skew one way. And in the case of uh, uh, making rate cuts, they're going to want more than enough data skewing towards inflation falling, disinflation, weak economy or weakening economy uh, before and a weakening labor market before they really commit to cutting interest rates uh, and, and, and propping up the economy. Right. You know, on the show, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about single family homes and commercial real estate properties, you know, at, at nationally, you know, there's been a, a development where multifamily homes, you know, or let's say also, known, let's say apartment buildings, what have you. And we, and we have seen consecutive months now of rent declines. So, so why is that happening? And, and uh, what's, what stops this from happening? I mean, do you think that's going to continue? What's going on with that, with real estate? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation, multifamily. That was a very, very popular trade two years ago. Extremely popular trade, especially especially if you had exposure to uh, the Sunbelt. Unfortunately, now what you've seen is the Sunbelt has been greatly overbuilt, uh, and, and they're not done yet. I think- you know, if you look at one of the poster children of the Sun Belt of massive development and a solid movement of population trends, uh, you have to look at you have to look at Nashville. Um, in in Nashville right now, and I think this is this is probably your your most worrisome part. Nashville still has you're seeing rent come down materially. Oh, and nationally, you you mentioned about consecutive months. We're at six months in a row now of right. rents coming down. That's tough. If you are someone who invests in that space, or if we're at any line of business, and you have, um, and you have rents coming down, it's going to be very tough to justify building a new building. But just in the case of Nashville, their rents have been coming down for the better part of the last year, and it's it's starting to accelerate, uh, right. which puts existing projects in peril or recent acquisitions in peril. Uh, if you've bought multifamily at any point in the last three to five years, but then you still have 
about 18,000 units that are already under construction in Nashville. So that's even more supply coming in Nashville. And again, right. while it might not be the same from a nominal perspective, but this situation has played out across the Sun Belt. You're seeing it in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and South Florida. Uh, there are a lot of projects still to come and you're seeing rents come under pressure. So uh, it's hard to invest in multifamily right now because you have this broader overarching development where you have maybe a year, a year's a year and a half, two years worth of supply that needs to get um, uh, acquired or it needs to be absorbed by broader markets. And then that's just a very tough thing to do right now when you already have rents declining. Sure. Well, you know, I noticed where that, you know, home sales, U.S. home sales now have fallen the most since last August because you have borrowing costs that keep creeping up. And, uh, you know, like in January, contract signings, they fell nearly 5%. And so I guess people now, I guess, are extra sensitive to to these to these rates. Do uh, you expect this to turn around in another quarter or so? I mean, you know, this, you know, right now, you know, a combination of economic conditions, you know, it has to be favorable for home buying. And uh, obviously with interest rates as they are, that's always the bellwether. So what's your take on the rates? Do you see the rates staying the same going up? Uh, my guess is it's going to be range bound. It's going to vacillate. I mean, look, you, you saw rates fall three, four months ago, and now you're, you're back to 7% mortgages. So Again, this is one of those variables, and we write about it. Uh, we write about it, in, or we wrote about it, excuse me, in our in our monthly letter to our client partners uh, for this month for the for the month of February uh, that will be going out tomorrow. And one of the dynamics we talk about, it, and it's a risk, is that long dated treasuries, just due to the growing debt and deficit, interest rates on long dated U.S. treasuries are skewed to move higher. Just because, again, we have a growing debt and deficit, it's a supply-demand dynamic. It's it's fundamentals, really, uh, in, in terms of bonds, where if you have supply of a bond growing and demand does not keep up, then when you invest in that bond, since you are the demand part of that equation, you're going to demand a higher interest rate for your capital to buy more bonds. And so, again, that is a risk with financial asset prices, that interest right. rates on, say, the 10-year treasury independent of what happens in the economy, that interest rate will trend higher and that puts pressure on other financial asset prices, whether it's long duration stocks or say 10-year corporate bonds. Uh, Both of those assets would be negatively impacted if the 10-year US Treasury rate were to say push 5% again. Well, the Fed, you know, they stress that it's in no rush, no rush to, to cut interest rates. Uh, you know, they showed that with, with their, their actions, I guess. Uh, you know, because again, they're looking at the inflation gauge it rose a little bit in January by the most in a year, I guess. So for an investor, is now the time to stay away from investing in a real estate investment trust or is something that now the time to look at it? You could invest in it, but be, you, you better have a high risk tolerance or you better have a strong stomach. Uh, look, it's it's been a painful trade to have anything exposed to um, interest rates. Or what I mean by that is to have a sector, I would say utilities is also there besides real estate, that are uh, inverse related to interest rate prices or movements. So say if interest rates on the 10-year were to push 5%, you would expect 
downside moves, more material downside moves in utilities, real estate, uh, unprofitable technology companies, the longest duration assets, the ones that are most interest rate sensitive uh, are going to be the ones that are under the most pressure, downside pressure. And again, I think that's what makes investing right now very, very tough because you are dealing with not only two to three variables, you're dealing with four to five variables. And some of them, unfortunately, are structural. The growing debt and deficit of the United States, increasing the amount of U.S. treasuries outstanding at a time when the demand for U.S. treasuries, or at least the growth level uh, for, for U.S. treasuries, is simply not keeping up, especially when you factor in that foreign demand for U.S. treasuries has contracted uh, over the last two years. China's not the same buyer they were of U.S. Right. treasuries, say, 10 years ago or five years ago on a relative basis. So again, that demand is going to have to come from somewhere. It's going to be the U.S. household more so than ever before, and they're going to want a higher interest rate. Well, you know, right now, you know, car loans, for example, uh, you know, it's been hard now. The hardest it's been in three or four years to actually get car loans, especially with people that have marginal credit. Uh, You know, the people are struggling to make their car payments. Banks are responding by tightening credit standards. You know, then what is that doing? That's freezing out buyers, your know, younger people, for example, that have lower credit scores who can't afford a healthy down payment. Um, and even Americans said that people that have healthy finances, they're even having some trouble securing loans, I guess. Uh, and where is that going to lead us? When do you, when do you think that's going to end when it, it, the car market would open up again, at least from, from an interest rate standpoint of borrowing to finance the car? You see that changing at all in the near future? No, not not right now. I think then that's the tough part. And again, it's really the, that was the part of your your prior question. And maybe I didn't bring the the answer full circle. But you know, with these with the with the risks that long dated U.S. Treasury interest rates stay high, that means borrowing rates for longer duration debt obligations like mortgages and auto loans stay high. Um, and again, that's the basis for lending. In a lot of cases, in some cases, if you're doing short-term lending, you know maybe it's the prime rate, and the prime rate's an offshoot of the Fed funds rate, and uh, you know various dynamics. Maybe like one-year treasuries or a blend of the two. But for mortgages and for auto loans, it, they will take a look at and they will see what the five-year, ten-year U.S. Treasury looks like, and they will base what interest rate they give you off of that. And so again, like you said, homes, you've seen purchase applications. We talked about that yesterday, that bell. Uh, you're seeing interest in homes fall uh, just in general. Again, right. due to interest rates and auto is the same thing. Right. Well, you'd be at, in our office, we had somebody that came in, a uh, man in his mid-40s that had a business and and he got it rejected for a buying up a Ram pickup truck, cost about 55, 60,000 bucks, I guess. And he had close to an 800 credit score. <laughs> and of course, he got the loan right away with somebody else. But it's just the idea that the market, as tenuous as it is right now, you know, that's going to be affecting people in a lot of different ways. And, and uh, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it other than just, you know, sticking with it, to say the least. So, well, let's, let me ask you this. You know, this morning, you know, we got our latest bunch of batch of inflation data. So what was it and, and what should listeners take away from it? 
Well, so we got the PCE, and and I would say probably even more so core PCE, which is the Federal Reserve's really their preferred inflation metric. Um, we didn't see too much deviation from expectations when it comes uh, from what we saw in PCE and and PCE is uh, or excuse me CPI. <laughs> Uh, CPI, Consumer Price Index, and PPI, which is the Producer Price Index. We got that over the last couple of weeks. PCE is Personal Consumption consumption Expenditure, uh, and offshoot of the, uh, an offshoot of that is the Core PCE. And again, that metric is the, is the preferred uh, inflation reading from the Fed. But the PCE that we got was largely in line with what we saw from both CPI and PPI the previous couple of weeks. Right. But it does mean that inflation, while it's still coming down, and we warned this, uh, it is still higher than expectations, which means it's stickier. Uh, and then again, we've talked about this on numerous occasions. This is yet just another data point fulfilling our thesis that the last 1%, getting from 3 to 2%, which is the inflation goal for the Federal Reserve, is going to be the hardest of the bunch. It was easier to go from nine to three than it will be from going three to two. Uh, And it's funny when you factor in the dynamics that we saw in economic data the last 30 to 60 days, I think one of the fascinating comments uh, or the developments is we're seeing inflation be stronger than expectations while spending and retail sales are lower than expectations. Normally you think, oh, okay, Inflation is going to be stubbornly high or higher than expectations because spending, people are consuming more or consuming at higher rates than expected. And that's not the case. Spending is tepid while inflation is stronger than what people are expecting. Now, there could be some one-offs. Certainly, there could be some seasonal aspects. But I think when you adjust for all of it, it's a, again, it's a very perplexing picture for the Federal Reserve to be making monetary policy decisions right now, let alone pivoting their monetary policy decisions. Yeah, no, with that, without a doubt. Look, everything is subject to change at a moment's notice. And I, I noticed where the Wall Street Journal is having layoffs in your Washington, D.C. office and the restructuring, even getting the media out. Uh, you know, we're living in a totally different space and time now. What about the commodities market, Stash? Uh, like, for example, what are you recommending to people as far as, let's say, gold holdings, for example? So, right. So it depends. So again, if you are someone who's worried or if you're someone who believes the Federal Reserve is going to undertake a rate cutting tact in the next six to seven months, then gold could be an interesting investment. Um, The dollar has proven to be stronger than what anyone would thought. I mean, if you look at the strength of a dollar over a five to 10 year chart, you'd be very impressed. Um, especially when you consider that we were zero bound on interest rates for, you know, for a twelve to eighteen month period of that, uh, right. of, of that time of that time horizon. But in the case of gold, the, there is a defined playbook to own gold, and when you want to see the most appreciation out of gold, tends to be thirty to sixty days before the rate the, or the the last rate hike, thirty to sixty days after the first rate cut, and. Originally, if you would have, if we were to talk two months ago, the market had the March FOMC meeting as the first rate cut, and you saw gold do very well in the month of December, or right. really through maybe the second half of November. But you've obviously seen that timeline get pushed back. 
And now people are wondering, all right, are we going to see a rate cut in May? So it's not March anymore. Is it May? Um, And again, that's where it depends on what, if you don't believe they're cutting in May, you probably don't want to buy gold right now. Not yet. Um, But again, I think that's the answer to your question is it really depends on what you believe the Federal Reserve is going to do come the early summer months of 2024. Sure. And what about then, since we're talking about commodities, what about the energy market? What about oil and gas? Do you see that changing at all? No, I mean, look, we spend a lot of time talking about energy on the show. I think you are seeing a situation develop now where the floor for energy prices is being set. That doesn't mean it can't go down another 5 to 10%, but I don't think you're going to see a 30 to 40% drop, say, or well, a 20 to 30% drop, say what we saw 18 months ago when Right. Price oil is north of $100 a barrel. Uh, and the reason why you feel comfortable making that conclusion is you're seeing a lot of the 2024 estimates and production estimates from the largest EMP companies or vertically integrated energy companies in the country. And while you're seeing production growth from a percent perspective, it's nowhere close to what we saw, say, two years ago or even last year. Right. We've seen a lot of industry consolidation, and that industry consolidation is creating a situation where the acquirer is really cutting back the production levels of the company that they buy. They want to keep more reserves for later drilling or later sure. production. And then again, that's a dynamic you've seen uh, over the last six months, and I think you're going to see that continue over the next couple of years. Well, I noticed like with, with oil that their U.S. crude inventories, they rose over 4%, 4, 4 uh, million barrels last week, and and but they, they had projected like 8.4 million barrels uh, as, as far as uh, reserves. You know, the, the stock model increase somewhat dampens this narrative of having stronger markets uh, when it comes to the crude. Do you, what is with the government? A lot of people don't understand this, but the government tries to control the energy market somewhat, at least have an understanding of it by by storing oil. And uh, do you see that our, our national stockpile, where does that stand right now? Have we filled that back up or is it they're still filling it? What is the set? Oh, they're still that? filling it. No, make no mistake. They're still filling it uh, and they're still doing projects too. So it's, it's or excuse me, it's still taking bids too. Uh, I think I just recall seeing two weeks ago they were taking bids and they announced some bids. So again, it's it's a very important situation, uh, and it's a situation to keep an eye on. But that's only one part. The reserve is just one part, uh, or the strategic reserve is just one part of the broader story. Uh, and while it's an important part in the short run, longer term, you have to look more of the structural issues. And what we know, and we I think we feel pretty comfortable saying this, five years from now, there's going to be right. more global demand for oil and natural gas than there is right now. So right. the question for you is, does supply keep up with that demand? And if it does, at what percentage point? Look, energy right now is still at these prices for the well-run EMP companies here in the United States. Right. still a very profitable exercise. Sure. Well said. Stash, as always, we appreciate your advice and we'll be talking to tomorrow, buddy. You take care. Take care, Dan. Uh, you're a new listener. You're listening to Stash Graham. He's the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C., GrahamCapitalWealth.com. And, and he is in charge of assets under management for all Graham Capital Advisors clients. You deserve the best. And if you think now's the time to get a good second opinion, I have a suggestion. Go and see us. Come in. 
offices in Tampa and Sarasota and Venice. Come in and see us. Go to our website, schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. Stay safe out there. Right, you know, right on our currency and God we trust. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Graham Capital Market Update. For more information on any of today's topics, visit GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC, an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy. Did you purchase an annuity that hasn't made you any money? Well, the good news is that you're not stuck with it. At Graham Capital Advisors, a new proprietary software will show you how you can redirect your money into the highest available guaranteed income payouts for life. If you're 65 years old, you can receive 7.9%. At 70 years old, 8.2%. If you're 75, 8.99%. Need help? Go to our website and schedule an appointment. That's Graham Capital Advisors dot com.